0: This is Your Wellness Solution, a podcast by Solution
1: Health. Do you often experience digestive stress after eating certain foods? Well, the low FODMAP diet may provide answers and start your journey back to good gut health. So let's learn more about the low FODMAP diet with Patricia Hunter, a clinical diabetes educator at Solution Health. Patricia, thank you so much for your time today. So what is a FODMAP?
0: FODMAPS is an acronym that was coined in 2005 by two Australian researchers, uh, two brilliant people, Sue Shepherd and Peter Gibson. And it defines a group of commonly malabsorbed carbohydrates, sugars, and fibers. They're different from other carbohydrates because intestinal bacteria quickly ferments them. And FODMAPs are essentially fast food for our gut bacteria. When bacteria eat the poorly digested FODMAPs, they create gas, which can make a person feel bloated. FODMAPs are very small carbohydrates, and they are osmotically active. They draw water into the intestine, and that can lead to diarrhea and other intestinal symptoms of bloating and distension.
1: This is really interesting. So FODMAP is spelled F-O-D-M-A-P. So what does the acronym stand for? What is the FODMAP acronym?
0: So my next statement is going to sound a little bit like Greek, but the acronym stands for fermentable oleosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So I'm going to go through and tell you what each of the actual letters stands for. So the F stands for fermentable, meaning that it creates gas. Oleosaccharides are a type of water-soluble fiber found in wheat, onion, garlic, and beans. The D stands for disaccharides. Many of us recognize that lactose is a commonly malabsorbed sugar found in dairy foods. So that's a common one people can identify with. Monosaccharides refer to fructose, also known to all of us as fruit sugars, found in apples, pears, honey, and agave syrup. The concentration is different in various fruits. And last, polyols refer to sugar alcohols that are often found in sugar-free gums and mints and also found in pears and different stone fruits.
1: So So it's complicated. Yeah, very interesting. So how does this translate into a diet? What's the FODMAP diet then?
0: So the the diet is a two- to six-week elimination diet that involves removing high FODMAP foods to see if it alleviates the triggers that people are having, what's causing their GI symptoms. In this particular phase you can often see an individual have a reduction of 50 to 75% of their symptoms so it can be highly effective it is a learning diet rather than a plan you would follow forever the goal is to help a person determine what are their personal triggers after you finish this elimination phase if the person sees great benefit with it a dietitian will guide you on how to reintroduce or challenge these food groups in a very methodical manner. This allows you to actually understand better your tolerance to various FODMAPs. And I guess the most positive thing I can say is many people find they can liberalize their FODMAP diet restrictions and there's only a need to restrict some of those food groups. So I just stress that you need to work with someone who's knowledgeable on the nuances of this plan, because we're really looking for every individual. As a dietitian, I want every individual to have the most varied diet that they can, not restrictive.
1: So this is how we find if we have problem malabsorbed carbohydrates. This makes total sense. So is this a gluten-free diet?
0: No, the low FODMAP is not a gluten-free diet. The low FODMAP modifies small-chain carbohydrates, and gluten is a protein. Wheat, barley, rye, they contain the protein. And gluten also contains fructans, a source of FODMAP carbohydrates. The low FODMAP plan minimizes wheat, barley, and rye, so gluten will be minimized as well, but it's actually the fructin that you're trying to avoid.
1: Patricia, we hear a lot about sugar and stay away from sugar. So, is table sugar a low FODMAP?
0: Table sugar is low in FODMAPs. And so, when you have sucrose or table sugar, it is 50% glucose and 50% fructose. Um, And glucose helps fructose be absorbed. So, it's rare that people have a problem with table sugar. I recommend that you watch the amount of added sugar. Per sitting, Uh, and because we know, as we all know, that it contains very little nutrients and may lead to inflammation and poor health.
1: And is the FODMAP diet a dairy-free diet?
0: No, it is not. The part of dairy that is modified on this plan is lactose. Lactose is found in cows, sheep, and goats' milk. Dairy foods are allowed on a low FODMAP plan, including. Butter, which contains only traces of lactose or small amounts of whipped cream. Hard and aged cheeses such as cheddar and Swiss contain negligible, actually zero amounts of lactose, the two I mentioned. Even American and mozzarella cheese are relatively low in lactose. It's the soft cheeses or wet cheeses, sometimes people refer to it that way, the cottage cheese and the ricotta that would actually have much more lactose and need to be monitored.
1: Hmm, I didn't know that. See, you're you're teaching us already. So, what about pork or beef or chicken? Do those foods contain FODMAPs?
0: So, the very good news is that these are protein-rich foods, so they contain no carbohydrates unless they've been breaded. Um, therefore, it would not be a source of FODMAPs. Fish, eggs are suitable protein sources, and it's important for an individual to become a very good label reader to see if, by chance, there was any wheat or onion or garlic or hidden sources on a food. But typically, your plain meats are fine.
1: So speaking of hidden sources, what are some common sources of hidden FODMAPs?
0: FODMAPs can lurk in many manufactured foods, such as marinara sauce chicken stock, beef stock, salad dressings, and those sources often have onion and garlic in them to flavor the foods. Another example would be granola bars. It's very common for manufacturers to add honey as a natural form of sugar, but honey is um, very high in in fructose. And chicory root extract, often manufacturers will add that to increase the fiber content even a gluten-free product is not necessarily low in FODMAPs if the manufacturer has added chicory root extract.
1: So when it comes to cooking, does cooking lower FODMAP's content so they are better tolerated?
0: Uh, this area needs a little bit more research. Um, Fructins and galacticides are water-soluble. So when I keep talking about onion and garlic, adding onion to water, the fructans leach into the water and can make people feel poorly. Um, So cooking water could be a problem, but certainly when you're looking at a product like canned beans, there is less FODMAPs in a canned bean that's been sitting in water than a dried bean that's minimally soaked. So we're not quite sure exactly how much FODMAPs would be altered during cooking at this time. And so for now, we basically ask that people select lower FODMAP foods when they're preparing meals.
1: So in closing, Patricia, this has been very interesting. Do you have any closing thoughts for those having GI symptoms?
0: I think obviously this plan is complicated but can yield great rewards and the understanding of a person's tolerances to certain foods. There are many health conditions that can affect your GI tract and cause uncomfortable, embarrassing, and inconvenient symptoms. So, it's really important to consult with your doctor and not to self-diagnose. Your healthcare professional can rule out serious conditions such as celiac disease and colon cancer. And before a person starts on a low FODMAP plan, it's really important that they're, they're screened for celiac disease. The second is to make sure that you're getting credible information about FODMAPs. There's many sources online, but in New England, we're very fortunate to have two dietitians that have a lot of, um, that have actually have been leaders in the field for the rest of us. Uh, one is Patsy Katzos. She has a website called, and a book, IBS Free at Last. Uh, you can go there and get great information and even search a topic specifically. Um, Kate Scarletta has a blog, and she has many written materials that you can print off. And if you're interested, I have a FODMAP presentation at Southern New Hampshire Health October 16th at 6 o'clock. So we'd love to see people sign up for that.
1: Fascinating information. Please sign up for that October 16th event. You will learn a lot, and it may change your life, that's for sure. Patricia, thank you so much for your time today. And for more information on all the things that Patricia talked about, please visit SNHHealth.org. That's SNHHealth.org. Thanks for listening.